Hi, this is Christy. And this is Chuck. It's Grave Matters. Do you want me to tell you a story? Tell me a story. Telling you a story. (laughs) So this is our third episode. It is. We've been really good at... We've been trying, trying trying to get it right. (laughs) Three weeks in a row, we've been able to do this. This is crazy. So this is a story that you may have heard of. This Mm. is a murder. So Glenna and Marty Duram were married for 11 years, seemed to have a good relationship. They lived in Ensley Township in Nuego County in Michigan. Do you know where that is? No. I don't really either. I have heard of Nuego County, obviously, but I don't think I've... Isley, Ensley Township. No. Yeah, I'm not sure It's got to be on the west side of the state, I would imagine. Probably, but it's in Michigan. Yeah, it's in Michigan. So it's nowhere near Metro Detroit. Nope. Let's just say that. Marty had three grown children from Mm. an earlier marriage, and Glenna had two. Mm. So they sort of did the Brady Bunch thing like you and I did. Kind of. But they had five minus one. Yeah, we had four. Um, Unless there's one that we don't know of (laughs) on your side. No, no. (laughs) Don't even start with that. That's how rumors get started. Maybe we should need to do like a 23 No, yeah, Yeah, let's do that. Or get on Murray or Maury, whatever it is. After all these years, there's a knock on the door. You are not the father. (laughs) I always said that. It's going to be like, okay, I hope I never, never, never get a... Father's Day card from someone I don't know. That was always a joke. But no, folks, don't. don't well, I think it's we're, too late for child support. So we're good. <laughs> We've been married almost 20 years. So I, I, think we're good. I don't have life insurance. So save your breath. Actually, you, I have life oh, insurance my gosh. on you. This might be a whole new true crime. Oh, my gosh. Oh, dear. Okay, so Marty was in a car wreck in 1995, and it jarred his brain, shattered the left side of his body, Oof. and it created this, like, weird neurological amnesia where he couldn't remember his earlier marriage, which you would probably love. <laughs> <laughs> Please hit me in the head. Or the births of his children, which is sad. Oh, that's that sad. That is sad. Yeah, that's sad. His condition worsened in 2010, and Glenna began earning $3,153 a month for taking care of him while he got $1,100 a month in disability. So they're making about $4,000 a month. Or, you know, over $4,000. In, in 1995, or no, in 2010. So that still wasn't a bad amount. No, not too bad. 1000 bucks a week plus. They split the money between them. Marty liked to hunt. He filled the garage with mounts of his kills, which oh. is so ridiculous. Like, and I don't want this to sound judgmental, but but if you got a neurological problem, I don't know why you're shooting don't a gun. Know if shooting is a good <laughs> idea, but I'm just saying. I, he if you're disabled, own, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. So anyway, so while he's hunting, Glenna's gambling. Uh oh, she loved to gamble. According to interviews and police records, clerks uh-huh. at several gas stations near their home told police that she would often buy lottery tickets, including one station where she purchased 50 to $100 worth of tickets three to four times a week. So $400 a week, $1,200 a month. Did I do the math right? Yeah. It's around that. That's wow. a lot. That's that's a lot. That's your tax dollars at work. That was all of Marty's disability check right mm, there. Yeah. She also went to casinos once or twice a week. Wow. Usually accompanied by Marty. During a 2012 trip to visit Marty's 
brother in Montana, the couple couldn't travel anywhere without Glenna having to stop at a casino. <laughs> so they were just, she and, and they weren't talking about her winning any money. No, just she gambling. was just gambling. The Probably money. losing it. So they said that it would wouldn't take anything for Glenna to just pump hundred dollar bills into the slot machine. Wow! And she would ask the family or anyone that they went to the casino with, like, "Don't tell Marty that this is what I'm doing." Wow! So in 2010, she gambled seventy five thousand dollars at local casinos, mm. and the debt began to pile up. I was gonna say because at that amount, how are you paying your bills? Right. Right. So, Glenna was also in charge of paying the bills, Uh-oh. which is how Marty didn't know any of this. And she would tell Marty, of course I'm paying the bills. The bills are taken care of. I was in a relationship like that wow. where he did the same thing. Huh. I wasn't gambling and he wasn't gambling, but he sure as heck wasn't paying the bills with my paycheck. Uh. Not good. Not good. Um, so she told Marty she had paid the car payment, but she hadn't paid the car payment. And she also hadn't been paying the mortgage. Marty was very frugal. He was always turning the lights off at home, keeping the heat down. If relatives visited in the winter, they said that they actually had to wear like thermal underwear and like double up on socks because it was that cold. He was trying to keep the costs down. Well, he was only making a thousand dollars and she was making three grand. That's true. Um, if he wanted to buy something, he fretted about the price, you know, or he would shop, you know, for the best price. Yeah. He always wanted to make sure that the bills were paid. It sounds like my dad. Wow. My dad would be like, did you, did pay, you pay the them? electric bill? <laughs> we wow. would have like a really bad storm. Yeah. And lose our electricity and he'd blame he'd me for like, paying the did bill. Did you pay the bill, Christy? You, you must not have paid the bill, Christy. Oh, like, Lord. Dad, there was a tornado that came through. I paid the bill. <laughs> In April 2015, Marty received a call from his mom. And his mom said, hey, in the newspaper, there's a legal notice. And it says your house is being foreclosed on. Do you know anything about this? And Marty's like, nope, do not know anything about this. So he went to his wife and said, do you know anything about this? And she's like, must be a mistake. Must be. I'll fix it. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Marty's like, well, we always use auto pay, you know, so of course it's getting paid. On April 28th, foreclosure papers were placed on the the front door. Mm. So it was for real being foreclosed on. Connie Ream was the neighbor across the street. She hadn't heard from the Durhams in a couple days. She said that they texted or talked every single day, sometimes several times a day. Hmm. And when they hadn't seen or heard from them, it was Connie's husband, Keith, jokingly texted Glenna and said, what have you done with Marty? In a sort of a joking way. Yeah. On the second day, May 13th, now it was April 28th where they got the foreclosure paperwork. So now we're on May 13th, so just a couple weeks, right? Connie Ream entered the Durham's home and found their bodies on the floor of their bedroom. Marty was in his underwear while Glenna was dressed with a blanket over her legs. They found Marty with five gunshot wounds. Mm. A local fire chief and two EMTs who responded to Ream's call failed to check to see if Glenna was alive. So it wasn't until an hour later when the Michigan State Police Trooper 
trying to coax the dog that was not having any of it with them right. coming in. Right. Dogs don't like uniforms. No, they don't. Um, they just figured that Glenna was dead. Well, she wasn't. She was breathing. She had a gunshot to the head, but she was still alive. Uh-oh. So the trooper um, actually went to go check her pulse, and as soon as he touched her, her eyes flew open and her body jerked, and he testified at the court hearing that she cried, what are you doing? She had a bullet to her head. Yeah. She survived, though. Uh So as police sort of did their investigation, they were contacted by Fran Phelan, Phelan, the wife of one of Marty's cousins. Okay. Meeting with police on the back patio of her home a week after the shooting, Fran said that she was a psychic and she did psychic readings and she had been receiving messages about this case and she had made notes in a notebook and she removed this notebook and started reading her impressions of the case Mm -hmm. from the notebook. She told the trooper that what was important was to look under the couch or the love seat in the home and that they would find that there was the weapon because apparently they had never found the weapon. So they assumed that someone had broken in, that they had been shot. I don't know. Glenna must not have been able to talk because of her wounds. That's a little sketchy. So... um. She also said she didn't believe that Marty or Glenna was connected to the case, but that was where the um, they would find the weapon. Mm. So police reports later revealed that investigators found the murder weapon, a Ruger single six. I don't know my guns. I don't either. Um, it was under the love seat. She also said that there would be a folder that had important paperwork in it a manila folder and apparently they discovered that as well and it had confessions suicide uh letters from glenna to her children in in the folder during marty's autopsy it was discovered that he was clutching a clump of hair in his right hand the police report didn't say whether it was human or animal um but they believe that there was some evidence connected to that So after Fran's revelations, Wolf asked where she was at the time of the shooting. She was actually, they thought maybe she was connected to the case. Right. Because because she had this information. And I've had that same situation happen. Looking for dead bodies, and they say, well, where were you? Who are you, and why do you know so much about this? So Fran had an alibi, though. She was with her daughter, and the alibi checked out, and Fran wasn't connected to it. Fran believed that Glenna was innocent, though. But that's not why Marty's side, um, Marty's side of the family was angry. They were angry that she didn't believe that Glenna did it. She was, the family was just mad at her for, maybe they were mad at her for being psychic. I don't know. People are really weird. So during the probate hearing where Glenna and Marty's children, they tussled over his possessions because they weren't siblings. Right. Right. That's why we went to a lawyer. Yeah. And got all that sorted out. Um, Fran testified on Glenna's behalf. Now, again, Fran is Marty's cousin. Right. But she testified on Glenna's behalf. So Marty's relatives began to threaten Fran over Facebook. Because, you know. 
Yeah, Facebook, that's the answer. Oh, that's it. So it was said, you should keep a loaded gun at your side because who knows what can happen. Huh? Yep. That's what they wrote on the Facebook. Look what happened to Marty. Ooh. Yeah. After the probate hearing in October 2015, an arrow was left at Fran's home leaning against the garage door with a message that said, you're next. Wow. Yeah, that's not good. No. I mean, you can be upset. Right, but to threaten bodily harm or death on some, yeah. That's terrible. So in October 2015, Glenna was interviewed by the state police. She and her mother talked with the detectives and in the interview room of the county sheriff's office. Asked about the suicide letters that had been found, Glenna said she didn't remember writing them. Johnson wrote in the police report that she was very, who was the detective, was very adamant, um, was written in like the way that she was just like, I don't remember. Right. I don't think I wrote them. That's not what happened. She said they didn't sound like her. And then she said, oh, yeah, they did sound like her. So maybe, maybe, but maybe I wrote this in the past, huh? not during... Maybe I was suicidal a long time ago and I wrote this to the kids. Just maybe. Just maybe. Like she'd forget that too. Maybe. Hmm. Um, so there was, there was that. The two detectives also asked Glenna about the use of her cell phone on the day before she and Marty were found by the neighbor. Because from 3.32 a.m. to 4.48 a.m., the phone was used five times to look up information about a Ruger. Uh-oh. Including, specifically, a Ruger single six. six yeah, yeah, six. Which has got to be a revolver with six chambers. Probably. At the end of the search, the phone was used to text Glenna's mother saying, Love you, sorry. She told the detectives she never looked up such information, that if she was on her phone, it was to play an online game. And that's why she had looked it up. She said she never killed or would have killed Marty. I did not kill him. I wouldn't kill him because he was all I had. She well, said. that was her meal ticket. She was getting three grand. It's true. She said she missed Marty and the two had been inseparable. She wished that she had died so they could be together. The detective asked if that was the reason she had turned the gun on herself. And she said she didn't feel that way until after the incident, which meant she kind of, you know, she didn't confess it. Right. She just felt that way after everything had happened. So at this time, they still don't know who did it. They right. still don't have any evidence that she had done. This well, sounds like a small town. That's why I asked yeah. if you knew where it was. Well, the fact that they didn't come in and, and check the wife. They didn't, that they was, didn't test that her. That was crazy. For, they didn't right. test her for. Um, they didn't search for a weapon. For gunpowder residue or anything. Yeah. It, that it's all that's so messed up, so weird, and so many people had walked in the house. And strangely enough, if that is true with the Ruger with six shots and six chambers, he was shot five times and she had one, so right. that would have made sense. But if she tried to shoot herself in the head, I don't know how she would have tried to get the the gun itself under the cushion. But hey, okay, enough. That's There's my logic. I don't know a lot of questions, lot of questions for questions. sure. So during the investigation, several people asked the police whether they had interviewed their parrot. <laughs> the African Grey named Bud 
was smart and he remembered things. Uh-oh. And so they were like, have you talked to the parrot? They asked the police whether he could have um, given them any information about what had happened. And the police were like, wait, what? Like, how do we interrogate a parrot? So by May 2016, one year after Marty's death, no arrests had been made. His side of the family, which had long clamored for Glenna's arrest, they were frustrated because they're like, Glenna did it. The wife did it. The wife did it. The family gave a local TV reporter a videotape that appeared to show Bud, the parrot. Right. Imitating two people in an argument. Clinging to the outside of his cage, the parrot's voice changed back and forth for two minutes in the video. Shut up and get your blank over here, he squawked. And then don't blank shoot. Two different voices. Uh Uh-oh. The video was shot a month after Marty's death. She had owned the parrot during the marriage and took him back after his death. The ex, Marty's ex, had owned the parrot. Okay. I think that's, that's who they're talking about. She said she was alarmed by the video, but for 11 months didn't tell anyone outside of the family. Asked why the family shared it with the television station. She said that she hoped it would spur public interest and push police into making an arrest. She's just evil and mean and dirty inside and out, this person said about Glenna. Mm -hmm. It's kind of crazy and a lot of sad. Yeah. The TV report about the murder witness being... The parrot. The parrot. Drew attention around the world, and three weeks later, Glenna was arrested. Hmm. The prosecutor denied that all the publicity about the arrest had anything to do with the parrot. Right. He said tongue in cheek. Um, he couldn't put him on the witness stand. That's true. How do you swear him in? He said, "Are you raising a wing or a foot?" Wow. So further investigation, which is ridiculous that it took this long for further investigation, oh. found several notes that Glenna wrote that were confessions, and the detectives discovered again, you know, that Glenna's phone had been used during the day. Right. Statements from neighbors and friends attested that they bickered and quarreled a lot, and obviously they had all these financial problems. Yeah, she's losing at the casino, so she's pretty ticked off. They were losing their house, they were losing everything. their car, they were yeah. losing everything. And um, the in August 2017, the case against Glenna was established with the help of numerous family and friends' testimony. After one day of deliberation, she was found guilty on the charges of first-degree murder and awarded life in prison with no possibility of parole. Currently, she's serving her life sentence in Women's Huron Valley Correctional Facility in Pittsfield Charter Township, yeah. Michigan, which actually is near a shop. Yeah. Um, she was sentenced to life in prison. She suffered a gunshot wound to the head, but she had recovered. Birds are super smart. I know that. Your mom had birds? My mother had birds growing up. We always had parakeets in that, and they could talk plain as day. They were really, really smart birds. It was just really weird. I mean, they'd fly, land on my head, on my shoulder, and they would talk like I'm talking to you right now. It's just really strange. Your mom had a bird that she taught to say, give me a reading every time I walked in the room. (laughs) Yeah. 
she thought she was really funny. Yeah, she thought she was cute. The bir- but then after a while, your mom had dementia, and she thought that your the birds Bert were really was saying about things. Stuff. And I'm like, that bird's just chattering. It's not really saying anything, but don't want to burst her bubble. She believed that the bird was saying what the bird was saying. And I would swear at the bird just to see if it would say anything. But it never really did. She no. had the one bird that did. Though. Yeah. Well, she said that my her brother, my uncle Ronnie, when they were much younger. I guess, not teenagers, but early 20s probably. He was babysitting her bird or parakeet once, Georgie, and it taught the bird how to say F you, F you. So she was really mad at him, so that's why. (laughs) But then later in life, she was also trying to teach the birds to say different things. (laughs) I don't understand I'll never forget, she had to have, like, the cable company come out or something. Right. And you know how, or the gas company, you know how they say, do you have any dogs that need to be put away or any aggressive animals and she told them she goes no i got a bird who's probably smarter than you wow she she said it like it was she was a work of art for sure so this case was really solved by a bird and a psychic and a psychic really it really was but Hmm. it was you know the police might not want to say that the bird solved the case or or that the the psychic psychic gave any info but yeah, now I now I really wonder, like, how did, well, you know, she was covered by a blanket. It was like she just laid down. Yeah, it could be. So she must have crawled and put the, put the stuff under the cushion. Well, she could. Like, well, that's just it. If you shoot yourself in the head, there's only one, if it was a six shot. He was shot five times. She had one bullet left. She tried to shoot herself, but again. The blanket on her, and they found the gun under the cushion, the couch cushion. I don't know how you could shoot. If she really thought she was going to commit suicide or kill herself, I I just... Well, they didn't say that she was in the bedroom. They said he was in the bedroom. Okay, so she shot him in the bedroom. she could have been in the living room. Came out to the living room. Well, yeah. Yeah. And maybe she fell off the... I don't know. Yeah, none of it makes sense, but the fact that she's in... Maybe the bird hid the gun. Maybe, yeah, the bird is in cahoots. I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. It just but doesn't make sense to me, but... That's that's the story of the psychic and the parrot. Psychic and the parrot. Bud the parrot. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. And don't commit murder if you have <laughs> if a bird, a bird in the house. <laughs> birds, birds will talk. That's true. They will talk. You know, they say ravens are like the smartest. Yeah, absolutely. That they... They pick up and they mimic like that too. Even the ones that are outside, That's they true. will they will pick up voices. They will say there's a chicken out there. They will mimic the chickens. Yep, clucking. Yep, they will mimic a squirrel's chatter or what have you. I have actually heard them thinking it was another kind of bird and say no, it was they're a not. Raven. So don't do it around a raven or a crow. Edgar Allan Poe was right. He actually wrote the Raven about a parrot. But it didn't sound good. I mean, who's going to believe a poem and about the parrot? And it wasn't ominous right, enough. Right, right. But because parrots are super smart, obviously. That's true. That, But he changed it to a raven because ravens are super smart, too. Yes, they are. So that's our story. That's the story. Thanks for joining us for Grave Matters. Thanks for listening. We'll be back eventually with another either true crime, paranormal, ghost. You'll never know. It's it's really, honestly. It's kind of hit and miss. Spin it really the wheel. Is. It is a spin the wheel. <laughs> My name's Christy. I'm shocked. Thanks for stopping in. Peace.